You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. The results came back, the liquid was blood, and the species was human. We realized the scratching noise is the key smoothing in locks, and they were locking downstairs and locking downstairs. Welcome to Strange Familiars, covering a range of topics from the paranormal, cryptids, mythology, the occult, hauntings, UFOs, weird history, and folklore. Wherever you are listening to Strange Familiars, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, or any other service, please subscribe and click the like button, and share the Strange Familiars pages and stories on Facebook and other social media. If you have experienced something strange, or if you know a story you would like us to cover, email strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars. And of course you can always find us at strangefamiliars.com. Um, Tim, I'm here with James again. Say hi, James. Hey, hi, James. <laughs> <laughs> and before we begin, I want to ask for your help and thank people who are already helping. If you're subscribed to us, you're already helping. If you're spreading us around on Facebook or on Instagram, if you're sharing our shows, if you're sharing our content, you're already helping. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And if you can afford $3 a month, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. And that gets you extra content. And we have other things there. We have other rewards like T-shirts with the Strange Familiars logo. A lot of people ask in the YouTube comments, "Do you can I get that logo on a T-shirt? You can. Absolutely. It exists. <laughs> Go to Patreon. There's a reward level with the T-shirt. There's a reward level with the vinyl sticker. Looks great on your car. Yeah. Or on your guitar case. There's pins, different artwork, signed copies of the books. You name it. So patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. It's worth checking into for sure. I want to thank all of our current patrons. You guys are really helping making it happen. And our subscribers as well. Without you guys uh, listening to the show through the various forms of media that it's available on, whether that's you know Stitcher, that's iTunes, or just right from the site. Right. However you listen, it's you know, great. If you it, can comment. Uh, and share. If you, can't, if you can't afford to be a patron, please, by all means, share it with people who are like-minded that might uh, be interested in what we're doing. Share it in Facebook groups. It means uh, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, we're just trying to get ears on the show. Every, every share helps. Every comment helps. Every rating helps. Thanks to everyone who's already doing that. Yeah, thank you so much. All of our subscribers, all of our Instagram followers, thank you. We'll continue to try to put out new shows. The, the more subscribers, the, the more shows we can make. Hopefully, 
we could get up to a, a weekly show. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So, this episode is going to be on Gettysburg ghosts. Ghosts in general, but specifically Gettysburg. Yep. Because you took a bit of a working vacation. I did take a working vacation. I want to thank Andrea for being very patient with me while I did our, my working vacation. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Gettysburg, for those who aren't in the area, the major tourist event there is is uh, it's where the battle happened, the, yeah, the big battle. Yeah, three days of fighting. Yeah, a lot of people got killed. It was a brutal battle. Some of the facts that stick with me, they talk about. Now, York is, what, 30 miles away from 40, yeah. 30, 40 miles, yeah. something like it, that? It's really, like, it's really not very far for us to travel out there at all. I think a lot of people forget that it's so close. But one of the things that always stuck with me is they said you could smell the bodies from York. Mm. There were so many people killed there. You could, you could smell the, the dead bodies in York. That's striking. I yeah. mean. And they, of course, they said you could hear the cannon fire and stuff from here, which is. It sounds to me like there was a there was a ton of disorganization. I believe both generals were late to the party. I think it was nearly over by the time they both made their respective entrances to Gettysburg. The big generals, the, yes, Lee and Grant. Yes. So the other major attraction of Gettysburg is that they may claim to being one of the most haunted places in the world, which may in fact be true. Yeah, absolutely. You'd be pretty hard pressed to find somebody who would say that they've been there numerous times and nothing nothing occurred while they were there you know if you're staying there if you're there just for the dangerous walking around chances are probably pretty slim that anything bizarre happened unless you go and do one of the one of the many ghost tours or or visit the inns uh there and actually stay and you know <laughs> there's a the sort of a mini economy of I would, based I, around that you the, know i would go as far as to say that it's a it's beyond a mini economy. It is there. It's an, it's a, it's definitely a ghost economy. I mean, most people that are coming there are coming because of the claims of the place being so haunted. Do you think it's most people are there for ghost stuff at this point? Absolutely. Because really? most of the people that are walking around are either getting, they either have tickets for the ghost for one of the many ghost tours that are, that are, right, and there are several, folks. there's a bunch. They yeah. really are. They're waiting for that. They're waiting for their tours. They're they're or, or they're waiting to see if there's tours available. It was wild. I mean, one of the days that we were there, it was literally pouring down rain, and people were lining up to go do these outside tours in the rain. Wow! In you know, in droves. I've been on two of the ghost tours. It's been a few years. They were both walking tours. I don't remember who gave them, but I know I did one with my family, and Allison's mom took us one time. I think before we had kids. Not cool. I've participated in in the ghost economy myself. No, it's a, it's a real good time, and people definitely seem to be very on top of things, very knowledgeable about the things that have happened in their respective areas, their respective beats, so to speak. Right, it seems right. like every group sort of has like their own sort of <laughs> territory that they they kind of cover. Yeah, you know, and they get a little competitive too. It's extremely competitive. Yeah, yeah absolutely, and, and and they're all very close. They're all very close to each other, proximity wise. The area of Gettysburg with the battlefields and stuff is pretty big, but the town itself is pretty compact. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so if you could easily make a week's stay out of coming to Gettysburg and checking out a few of the different tours, and you probably wouldn't even touch them all. Right, yeah. You know, if you did one or two a day, you would probably maybe get through them. So they have these ghost tours, but yeah. also several of the inns and places to stay around yeah. also kind of base their thing on, like, we're, we're a haunted sure, inn. Sure, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of the high-ups... Uh, within uh, both both sides of of that war uh, stayed in or uh, around Gettysburg, uh, sometimes unbeknownst to each other, like, you know, just a few miles away. Right, you right. You know, like right at the gates, so to speak. So most of the historic buildings, they're very connected to the, the events that took place over those days. Historically and with ghost stories. A lot of these buildings Absolutely. have their own ghost stories, which is often tied to the history, but not always. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think in most cases, it seems like, a lot of folks sort of chalk everything up to it being related to Civil War. Right. And we'll get to that absolutely. towards the end of the episode. Yeah. It's not a difficult leap. You no, know, no, like absolutely. Just, like absolutely this big not. tragedy occurs there. And in a, a very large loss of life in a very short few days, a lot of confusion. And just like any war, uh, you know, there's a lot of a lot of young people who 
they were never taught or walked through what they were doing. I mean, right. it's very tragic. Oh yeah, those it's, those few days in, in, extremely in, in, tragic. in that town. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of these haunted inns, you stayed at two different. We did. Places. Yeah, we stayed right in Gettysburg for a night, uh, like right in town, at the Dobbin House. Is that the first night? That was the first night. And we also got a fantastic dinner at the Dobbin House restaurant, which was just awesome. I mean, you walk in there and you feel like you've gone through a time capsule. I mean, everything's cool, yeah. really, really incredible. But first night we stayed at Dobbin House, and oh my gosh, I'm trying to remember what the room was called that we were in. It was in the main house uh, of the inn, uh, and we were upstairs, and the name of the suite is escaping me. I know one of the two ghost tours I was in had a stop at... Dobbin House outside yeah. of Dobbin House. Yep, and there was uh, well, there is a tour that picks up right there, I, I th- right there at the right there at the entrance of the house. I don't know if we started that, but we did have a stop there, and somebody photographed something weird in, in the window on that tour. I remember yeah, there's was... been a lot of weird photos from that particular building of the uh, at the at Dobbin. We were the only folks who stayed at both places during the weekend we were there. Which so is we, cool. So if you know if you heard so, something. Absolutely. And we did have some pretty weird stuff happen over those nights. But the second place that we stayed at for the following nights, it was uh, three nights, we stayed at the Cash Town Inn. Okay. Uh, that's a few miles outside of Gettysburg proper. It was a stronghold. They, they took over the inn. The Virginia forces came up and took this in pretty much. It was and an inn at the time. It was an inn at the time. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's continued to be an inn this whole <laughs> it's its whole life. And they had taken that over. Uh we had stayed in the Robert E. Lee suite at the Cash Town Inn. Again, this is a there's three nights that we were there. There was no one else staying there. There's a restaurant functioning out of that building at all times throughout the day. Uh, right. I believe they pick up some sometime around, they do a breakfast and then they also pick up sometime around four thirty later on. So they're not open all day long, but you know, we were the only people who actually were staying in the building during our stay. So let's take a step back. Dobbin House, first night. First night. Anything weird happened there? Yeah. We were not one hundred percent sure that we were the only ones there because there were legit like sounds of, of someone walking up and down the hallway. And we hadn't really given it a whole lot of thought, but it's one of those, the way the place is set up, you have a key to get in that front door and that front door locks behind you when you come in. So the only explanation for there being someone walking around the hallway is that if there was another, another guest staying in one of the other rooms upstairs. Right. The following morning we were notified that like, no, there was no one else that stayed that night. So there were, there were the sounds of, of people walking up and down the hallway, being on the steps, even a weird shadow move under the door. Like you, you know, oh, like someone around. passed yeah. by or something. Yeah. It was one of those things where we're both sitting there and talking, Andrea and I, and I look and she looks, and she was like, did you see that? Something just went right past the door. And I was like, I saw it. We both looked wow. down at the same exact time and, and saw that, but there were sounds throughout the evening. Uh, Andrea experienced some sounds while I was in the shower that I didn't get to hear. There's definitely some weird stuff going on that didn't make a whole lot of sense considering we were the only people that were actually in the building the whole night. Right. Next two nights were at Cashtown. Yeah. Cashtown in for the next few nights. So we went out on a Thursday night and we stayed in Gaysburg and left sometime Sunday afternoon and did some other stuff on the way back through. So we stayed at Cashtown for the remaining nights. So Friday night, Saturday night, going into Sunday, we were, we were Cashtown. Strangely enough, we we weren't originally set up to be in the Robert E. Lee suite. We had an issue with our room that we initially had booked a reservation for based on, you know, we wanted to stay in the room that had the most stories of oh, right. people having experiences. There were some issues that we were not actually allowed, able to stay in that room. Not haunting issues. No, no, not, not haunting issues. Yeah. There were just some technical right. things going on with that room. The owners were really, really cool about. Yeah, I mean that happens. And they were that, like, and they were like, you know what? Sorry about the inconvenience. We want to put you. No one else is here. You guys, if you want to, you're welcome to stay in the Robert E. Lee suite. No extra charge. Right. Check which it is out. Cool. Which is really, really cool because we walked up into that place. Sam Elliott stayed in that room oh, when cool. they when they filmed Gettysburg. Oh, cool. <laughs> he was the only actor who roughed it and stayed in the cash town inn where they filmed there. Oh, cool. Which is really crazy. Apparently they like filled the street with dirt and stuff while they were filming the movie to make it look, you know, period, right. Period proper. And, uh, so the room that we stayed in the Robert E. Lee suite, 
was the room that Sam Elliott also had stayed in. So there's like pictures of Sam Elliott, but there's all this, you know, period photography and, and right. things in that room. And it was just a really cool space. And that's where we ended up staying. And we definitely had some weird things happen. Um, again, both the nights that we were there, we come in after the dinner crowd is, had already gone. Like we had to like actually let ourselves into the building because it was empty at that point. Mm-hmm. So we were the only ones staying in the building during the times that we were there, there was no other guests. And we didn't realize that there were no other guests until like the last day we were talking to the owner and he was like, yeah, you guys are the only ones here all weekend, you know? Oh, wow. The first night we'd stayed there. Uh, the only thing off that seemed to, that I caught at least, there was a, a weird sound happening throughout the night. I remember hearing it at least three times where um, I was laying there and it sounded like a uh, clicking. And I, I just, I was trying to figure out like what that familiar, it sounded familiar. Like it was something that like I had heard before, you know, eventually I had fallen asleep, but falling asleep there was even a little bit tricky. I, I kept feeling like I was like, I would start to fall asleep and then I like, I'd wake up quick, you mm-hmm. know, and I, I don't know if I was subconsciously hearing other things, but those, those clicking sounds through the night, it happened a few times, metallic clicking sounds. The next morning we got up, she asked me if I heard, you know, did anything weird happen over the night? And I said, like, I heard some weird sounds. And she was like, I heard some weird sounds too. And we went down and had breakfast and we talked a little bit about it and talked to the owner, uh, Jack, for a little while, which was a, a good time. And then uh, instead of going back out and doing a bunch of stuff, we decided to go back to the room and go back to sleep. So we had breakfast and then we went back to bed. As we were dozing off, the clicking sound happens again. We're both awake. And she says, did you hear that? And I was like, that's the sound that I heard multiple times through the night. And we kind of just laid there and we eventually fell asleep uh, again. And then when we got up, the first thing I did is I jumped out of the bed and I run over to the door and I start playing with the door lock because I was positive that I knew what it was. To try to reproduce the sound. Trying to reproduce the sound. And she was like, that's not it. And I was like, I know it's not. And I literally like cased the place for the next for the next few days of the stay and just kind of walked around and was messing with things, moving things, trying to figure out what the sound was. I couldn't do it. I couldn't get it, right? A few, like, like almost like two weeks later, I'm like, it dawns on me like what it was and why it sounded familiar. Should I get into that? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, make right, the sound go first right to that. and yeah. then we'll talk about it. So, yeah. so make the sound and then we'll probably make it a few more times. But. So, so the sound that I heard was pretty much, and I heard that sound multiple times throughout the first night. And then again on the second morning or the second day in the morning, <laughs> it really was getting to me that I could not figure out what that sound was but it sounded familiar you know it, but it was something, something familiar. familiar it sounded metallic and it sounded like mechanisms moving and i think that's why i went to the lock right away mm-hmm. a few days later i'm at my day job and uh i'm talking to uh, a friend and i'm explaining it and they're like but what what was it if it wasn't the lock on the door and you couldn't figure out what it was and it's like i don't know like i feel like it's on the tip of my tongue like i know what the sound was i feel like it was a familiar sound it was definitely something metal and i said it sounded like an old revolver being cocked. The double action of like the hammer and then the cylinder then moving as well. So make, the, make it one more time here. So this is an actual this is, period revolver. This is a, a reproduction. Right. That sound is immediately what then came to my mind. Like, oh my gosh, it sounded like the, the revolver, right? Like I had this epiphany and like I was jazzed up for the rest of the day and I couldn't wait to get home because I wanted to check and see if... What I thought it was checked out with Andre, who'd also heard the sound. And as right. soon as we got home, I, I run past her in the house. I go up. I grab this thing. I bring it down. She's like, whoa, what are you doing? <laughs> why, do you, why do you have a gun? And I bring it down. And I'm like, just listen to this. I was like, close your eyes and just listen. And I did it. And she was like, oh, my God, that's, that's what that sound sounded like at, the, at Cash Town. I was like, right. And this is like the period for the the gun is is right it's right, proper yeah. it's what would have been used by both sides that's yeah. wild ironically enough before this happened and this is like one of those one of those weird sort of side notes when we left on sunday to come back home we had stopped at like this flea market and the only thing that i bought was a book on colt revolvers like a like a coffee oh, table weird. book and it was like when I showed her this, she was like, oh, my God, you bought that book. That's the only thing you bought the whole time we were out there that weekend, you know. I will say one <laughs> thing about the metallic clicking sound. One of my weirdo experiences, which we promised to get into that we didn't, was at Hex Hollow. And it ended with a metallic clicking sound that was not at all unlike that sound. It's interesting. Yeah. 
at the very least because it wasn't something I explained it like Metal Gears, like yeah, in, in my mind, absolutely. But, but as you make that sound, like a mechanism, <laughs> that is kind of what I heard. So right now, certainly, if we're going with ghosts as these echoes of the past, whether sure. whether they're sort of a a recording in a sense sure. that's getting played back, or they're some sort of active spirit, the revolver make a lot of sense. The revolver makes a lot of sense, but also just in a general sort of weird stuff, I have heard that metallic clicking sound. And yeah. after a really weird experience of my own. So just an odd thing I wanted to throw yeah. in there. So yeah. who knows? But uh, but like I said, if we're talking spirits or if we're talking some kind of recorded event, that the revolver is really interesting being in Gettysburg. Yeah. At the Cash Town, you had a chance to talk with, is it the owner, Jack? Yeah, or, yeah. That's uh, Jack Palladino and his uh, wife, Maria. They're the, the they're proprietors. The yeah. um, and a lot of people may have actually seen them on television. They were on... Uh, uh, one of the Taps Ghost Hunter uh, oh, okay. episodes where they had gone to the Cash Town Inn. So you got it's a very memorable episode. Um, you got to do a little interview with them, which was pretty I did. cool. He he sat down. What was really really cool about it, it was very intimate because he made us breakfast. He personally made us breakfast that morning, and then did the interview while we had breakfast. Oh, that's cool. That's it was a, really really that's cool. A really nice, he, that's a just a nice thing to do. That's a yeah really yeah kind of personal thing. Yeah. So we're gonna go ahead and play that interview now, and then uh, we'll, we'll talk some more after. I'm here at the Cash Town Inn with uh, Jack Palladino, and he's been kind enough to share a story. One of the first days that we were here, my wife was still in Pittsburgh, and I was here by myself. And I came down into the tavern, and I was standing behind the bar, and then I just heard footsteps all the way through the tavern. So I walked out thinking maybe somebody was outside, looked out the windows, nobody was there, there's no cars, standing right behind you, and then the bootsteps walked out. And it is a carpeted floor, but it was heel to toe. It was as if someone was back in time and every hair on the back of my neck went up and I walked up and Maria got so mad. She's like, why does this stuff keep happening to you? And she's the ghost hunter. She's the one that wants to see. She's the one that wants to believe. But I mean, I've walked through cold spots, uh, trying to think of a couple extra stories. We had someone leave in the middle of the night because someone sat on their bed. They actually got up and left. That was room two, yes. They were sleeping and there was an impression on the bed. And you can actually see it when they left. I came out and there was no cars. And I went up to the room and you could see the impression where someone sat down next to them. Oh, wow. So it happens all the time. I've seen some of the, the videos online and what's happening in the basement here? Uh, well, you know, the basement is, is a storage area for us. It was used as the hospital during the battle. So the bloodshed and surgeries and things that took place down there. But, I mean, as far as anything else other than that, I mean, people just want to go down there. I mean, it's just one of those iconic things because of ghost hunters and other TV shows that have focused on it. But it's a storage room for us, basically. There's certain staff members that will run up and down the stairs quickly to avoid being down there. But we go down there all the time. We've had a couple experiences down there, but it's generally when we have professionals. Patty Wilson... Mark Nesbitt, mm-hmm. you know, when we have people who have, I'm a paranormal brick. I mean, I, I don't see, normally feel or hear, but when you bring those people in, it tends to... Kick the dust a little bit. Yeah. That if we have like a package weekend with Mark and Carol and Patty, there's just all kinds of stuff that happens during that weekend. Yeah. 
Does it seem like there's more things that tend to happen to the fuller the, the place is? It, it's based on the guests. Yeah. I mean, people think, oh, I'm going to go on 4th of July and I'm going to have a, a ghost. <laughs> now, if you are in tune to it, yeah. they will come visit you. Sure, right on. They're, they're, they're here. They're here all the time. But I tell people, if you don't have that ability to feel, see, hear, that's why you have recorders, yeah. EMF, and all the other stuff. Right. I mean, that's the way you contact. We don't conjure here. We don't do seances. We don't. Yeah, do that yeah. I noticed. Stuff. I noticed, and I meant to ask you about this. If I, if I can, if I, it's all right to go on the record with. That. No, that's fine. Um, we, we noticed that one of the one of the thing is is uh, one of the things that's on the on the list the short list of don'ts <laughs> is Ouija boards and conjuring type items. Have you guys actually had issues with people bringing these yes. things here? Yes, and we kibosh it because I wouldn't go to your house and do that. Well, yeah, yeah. How about that? I, I guess I guess it's easy. I for mean, it, to... you can, like I said, EVP, EMF, everything else. Yeah. But once you get into, okay, you do dowsing rods, but once you get into that other stuff, it's more conjuring than contact. Yeah. Contact's fine. Yeah. But conjuring is you're bringing something into the house that you're going to walk out the door, pack your bags, get in your car, and you're going to leave me with something that I didn't want to have left. Sure, sure. Well, Jack, I appreciate your time. Not a problem, uh, my friend. On behalf of the Strange Familiars podcast and listeners, we thank you for your time. <laughs> come out come out and check out the Cash Town Inn. It's a great place. The food's great. Come for the ghosts and the food and stay for the dog. He's awesome. So you went on ghost tours both nights, one night? Uh, one night. One night? One night we did do um, we did do a tour with the Gettysburg Paranormal Association. Patrick was uh, the one of one of our guides. And for this particular tour, they took us out off of the the Gettysburg beat and took us actually out to locations outside of the battlefield. Do you drive to these locations? Yeah, or? yeah. Okay. They had we all we drove. A lot of the tours are walking tours. Yeah, so. most of the tours are walking tours, but this one was not, and it was a little something different. They had bags packed for everybody to have their own little intimate ghost. They give you uh, equipment, and absolutely, stuff, right? yeah, absolutely, yeah. which was really cool. So well, they loan you equipment, <laughs> absolutely. They don't, you don't get to walk away with it, but they you know recorders. Um, the whole shebang. I mean, everything was available. I believe there was even a uh, a FLIR camera. Oh, that's cool. You being able to be, you know, everyone had to share it. I mean, it's not like sure. they had one of those for everybody. Those things are expensive. We went to two different locations and definitely had some weird things happen uh, in both of those locations. Uh, Andrea had experienced a, a, a few things between the first location that carried through to the second location, and there was again some really weird sort of synchronicity happening. Especially with the with the second location, so so from uh, from Cashtown to where we met up for the for the tour with the GPA folks. And again, if I haven't already, uh, thank you so much, uh, Patrick and Jolene Spooky, for having us out and and taking us out and showing us some stuff and and coming on and doing some interviews. I got to meet them at the Gettysburg Paranormal Conference that yeah. I went to. Real nice yeah. people. She's a, she's an author. She has several books available she also likes to be hands-on and do the tours and i believe that she is the founder of of the gaysburg paranormal association she's done a lot and made quite a name for herself out in that area on to the experiences so the experiences that we had started before we even actually did the tour so as we're leaving from cash town and on our way to meet up with uh, with patrick and the rest of the folks from the gpa we go past this house that was a converted one-room schoolhouse into a home, right? Mm-hmm. And as we go past it, Andrea says, I think I had a dream about that house <laughs> last night. I had a dream about this house. That is so weird. We have to go past it again later on. So don't think anything of it. We go, we, we meet up uh, on a very rainy, <laughs> very <laughs> rainy night. This was a night where it was like pouring down rain. We went out and we met up with our guides, went out to the first location, which was a home that had existed during the, during the battles. 
and I believe someone had lived in that home up until like about six months before the before we came and did the tours. But the house has a lot of really weird history. It's one of many places that was turned into a makeshift. Like a field hospital? <sighs> field hospital. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff behind the place, behind that house that's fenced off and like you don't go past the fence, you know. And in that house, they had had a, a bunch of different occurrences with folks. What's really cool about what they do there is since everybody has cameras or everybody everybody has uh, research tools at their disposal and everyone has their their recorders on, they're getting all these recordings from all these people and then they're going through and reviewing all this stuff and finding weird stuff right you know, because it's not one person it's a bunch of people and there's a bunch of energy going on at one time which is really really pretty cool you know one of the rooms of interest is uh was the attic of this house it was very tough to have a moment in any of the rooms because there was a group of people there yeah andrea did get to spend some time up in that room and face some of her fears mainly the fear of the dark <laughs> you know she's not sure how she feels about the whole supernatural uh you know otherworldly aspect of ghosts and that sort of thing and she was kind of kind of like a two-in-one sure to sp go spend some time in that room and while she was up there she uh, had her <laughs> leg from like the knee, from the knee down go numb like just went cold and numb oh that's weird. and that was a weird thing that carries through to the next location so we we leave that location and we go to the next location and as we pull up to the next location Andrea kind of loses her mind because this place that we pull up to is exactly the same model one room school building, like one room schoolhouse building as the house that we passed. Right. <laughs> and she was like, Oh my God, maybe this is the place. Cause this looks exactly like the other place. Now I was driving when we went past the house that she thought that she'd seen in this dream initially. So I didn't get a good look at it the first day. She did do a picture, a side-by-side -side comparison. Maybe we can get a copy of that picture and post that at some point if people are interested in seeing it. But literally, these are the exact same model. Like, they're, they're modeled exactly the same. It's like this one-room schoolhouse building that had been expanded upon over the years to suit other needs, eventually. Right. This one was more of, a, I believe, it was like a holding place for, like, antiques. So there was some antique stuff in there, uh, a lot of stuff related to the Civil War, obviously. When we go in the place, <laughs> the first thing I noticed was like this this vertebrae sitting on one of the boxes of of things I guess uh, you know antiques to be sold, and I go over to look at this vertebrae. I was like, "Check this out! Come over and look at this." And we look at it, and she goes, "Oh my god!" And she's like, "I got chills right now." And I'm like, "What?" And she was like, "Look!" And I look in the box, and there's this prosthetic leg from like the knee down. And she was like, "That's the leg." <laughs> that went numb <laughs> oh, her, her, for me at the last her, place. Wow. And it was just like one of those kind of things. I mean, maybe maybe this sounds kind of off to some people, like, oh, you guys are just making stuff up. But it is one of those things, like, you can't ignore how strange of a, of, of a coincidence that is. No, you know? no, that's a synchronicity. Like, that's, the leg. The yeah. leg from the knee down that she had go numb in the first location is, the, is like, you know. But um, she had some other experiences while we were there as well. But the numb leg was the... The yeah, one that really was just like, I, I got to see that and experience that one for myself because she told me about the first house while we were driving to the second. And then right. here's this prosthetic leg, you know, this old time, like <laughs> really yeah, crude, really crude looking leg. Very strange. Uh, and uh, during the time that we were there, I got to actually talk to Patrick and do a little interview with him. And Well, let's put that in right here. Yeah, absolutely. Hi, I'm here with Patrick. Go ahead and introduce yourself. I'm Patrick from Gettysburg Ghost Tours, and I also work with Gettysburg Paranormal Association. Cool. Just out of curiosity, if you wouldn't mind uh, answering, uh, what brought you into this into this field, and how long have you been doing it? Well, I've been doing this for 18 years. I've been doing this for about nine years with the public. What got me into it, uh, that's really kind of a funny story. Really, I mean, it. I Go really just went, just making fun of my friends that were really into it. Yeah. And, uh I was kind of the jerk that just kind of tagged along and just didn't believe in anything. I actually did see something with my own eyes uh, when I was about 17 years old in Maryland. I won't say where. We weren't supposed to be in there, but a lot of 17-year-olds go where they're not supposed to be. Absolutely. Anyhow, I did see uh, uh, what, we, what we call nowadays a full-body apparition. Um, it was a figure of a lady. Uh, you could see right through her, and she was pointing at us or taking a head count. She was kind of moving her finger around near us uh, down the end of the hallway and I didn't know if she was counting us or just basically telling us, you know, no, you can't be where you are. But either way, it was very startling. I couldn't take my eyes off the image and I did reach back for the other people that were with me until I realized that they weren't right behind me. So I turned and uh, they had gone in a different direction. I looked back and it was gone. So 
I always wished I hadn't have broken that contact with the vision there, but unfortunately that was, you know, this is a period of maybe 20 seconds or what felt like 20 seconds, it might have been five seconds, but it was really cool. Um, and that just kind of got me into this uh, this whole field. Since then, uh, I've invented uh, different pieces of ghost hunting equipment that's been seen on TV shows. I've converted uh, electromagnetic energy into audible sound. And I've done some really cool things in, in the paranormal community. Uh, we host a lot of events and things like that. Uh, we speak at different events. We do private home investigations. And we do these ghost hunts seven nights a week. Um, yeah, seven nights a week, uh, every every day of the year with the public. Yeah, and if anybody was interested in doing that, how would they find you? Uh, they can walk right into our shop literally any day of the week, uh, day or night, uh, 47 Steinware Avenue in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, or they can contact us on our website, or they can buy tickets from the website, or if they want a home investigation, they can go through our website. Cool. Um, we just got a brand new one, though, so you'll have to forgive. That's <laughs> okay. That you then. We can figure out how to get that proper information in. On average, how many how many home investigations do you guys get invited out for out this way? Well, it's not just out this way. We do anywhere in the United States. Oh, so, okay. And we, we basically screen each call we get at a, at, in the fall time uh, every year. And then in the winter when it's slow, then we'll send our core investigators uh, to you know their locations you know on site. And we pick that team throughout the, the screening process. You know, Do they need a medium? Do they need uh, more tech guys there? Do they need a lot of equipment? Do they not? Uh, do they need a demonologist, possibly, or someone who's more spiritual? And we get the proper team together, assembled, and then we head out. That's cool. So uh, when we screen, screen them, we also, uh, we also go, we put them in an order of necessity. So in other words, if a family of four just bought a brand new home and they're living in a hotel now for fear of being in their house at night, they're at the top of the list and we'll see them first. Whereas somebody in Alaska just is into this and they want us to come out and see something really cool. You know, they're gonna be at the bottom of the list because they're not in need, but it's just really neat and it's really far. So we kind of just put them in order that way. And we get probably about 300 calls uh, that we put out between October and November that we screen. After the screen, we, we put together a list. Usually, and I'm proud to say, we usually get to handle, um, you know, not, not not counting local ones, we do probably about 50 of them, but we do do about 10 traveling ones. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but it's very expensive, and it's on our dime, so we don't charge a thing for those. Oh, wow. Would you mind sharing uh, maybe a couple of, or at least one really cool encounter, perhaps, that sticks out above the rest? No names, no locations necessary. Yeah, the one that sticks out the most uh, when somebody just, you know, is going to put me on the spot and ask me uh, <laughs> I, would be probably local, but not. It's it's in a town near here in Aspers, Pennsylvania. Okay. And uh, I won't say what home investigation sure. it was for, but we were over there at night. Uh, it was me left it all together at the night when this happened. It was just me and a couple that stayed. We had some audio equipment set up in various places. We had, a, you know, we had two laptops set up, and we were basically... we. We had some cameras set around, you know, IR cameras to watch them. And one person was watching the cameras, and I went outside to get some air. When I went outside to get some air, I realized the door was locked. Now, these locks are very old, and they're all skeleton keys, and they're all left in the doors. So the skeleton key locks can't be, they can't just fall closed. They have to be moved, and they're very old and rusted. So I thought that was odd. thought maybe one of them did it, opened the door, and went outside. When I come back in, the door was locked again. I banged on the door and said, hey. You keep locking the door. The person who was downstairs closest was the person watching the computer, and they said, we're absolutely nobody near there. I said, well, that's really neat. we got to get the computer, obviously, at the door. Maybe it's locking. That would be neat. You know, we get that. We did that, and uh, throughout the night, we kept hearing some scratching and things like that upstairs, so we kind of filtered in upstairs, and we left the computer running, and it was recording. Later that night, uh, when we couldn't figure out what the scratching noise was, we came back downstairs because we heard the scratching noise again. When we came back down... We realized the scratching noise is the keys moving in the locks, and they were locking upstairs, they were locking downstairs, and they were locking one camera, and we had it on film, which is really neat. Wow. So at this point, uh, those two got pretty freaked out that the doors were locking because you were being locked in the house, that whole you know thing that you know they just didn't want to feel enclosed. So I told them, look, we're going to prop all the doors open. We're going to take the keys out of them. There's no way it's going to close, and we're you know we're doing more out because I really want to get some more footage of something. As soon as they agreed, and it took about 20 minutes to convince these two, because they were pretty pretty startled by this whole thing. Um, and one sure. of them actually went outside, and they were st- they said they'd just stay outside while me and, me and her husband actually were up there doing that. When we went back upstairs after propping the doors open upstairs and downstairs, we went back upstairs to do some EMF readings, and one at a time, and this was not on film, but one at a time, 
each door in the hallway slammed. We had one on the left and two on the right that slammed, bang, 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 bang. And that's when he turned to me and he said, I'm done. I stayed for about five more minutes. I took some pictures and did some photography in there and then we left. That house uh, was the site of a, a triple homicide. Uh, it had some really, wow. really gory history, um, you know, and, and some really malevolent types of feelings in the house. People would, the, the claims there were people were vomiting, people were getting ill. So it was really important to me to document every little thing there so that people, you know, mainly felt safe there. Sure. But that, was, that stands out to me. That was a really cool, kind of eerie place to be. And uh, that happened probably yeah. about four and a half to five years ago. And, it, and the occurrences continue to sort of happen while you were there. It happened while we were there. It's happened since we've left. Uh, I could never um, really debunk why that was happening. It was definitely, in my opinion, paranormal, and I approach everything very scientifically. So for me to say that means, you know, you know, that it's, it's my seal of approval is pretty warranted <laughs> for places like that. People sure. want to hear me say that, it, you know, and, and most of the times, nine times out of ten, I'll figure out that it's something not paranormal. But that place for sure is very active. Yeah. Oh, that's cool, man. Well, Patrick, I really appreciate you sharing a story with us uh, on behalf of the strange familiars podcast and our listeners we thank you hope to hear more from you guys in the future absolutely thanks a lot was it night three that you got to talk to mark nesmith yeah yeah as soon as we pretty much like initially i did we didn't plan i didn't plan for this to be a working vacation but heading into gettysburg you know i started thinking about the series of books, the uh, the Ghosts of Gettysburg series that Mark Nesbitt had, and he's kind had of the, put together. The I Dude, guess he's the original Ghost guy there. I mean, he, he he's been well, whether he's the first or yeah, or he's he been at it for be. a really long time. And and just sitting and talking with the guy, I have a ton of respect for him. But like when we got there, it was one of those things where I was like, "Hey, what do you think if I try to get a hold of this guy? If he lives around here, maybe I could maybe I could pop in and maybe he'd let me let me do like an interview over some coffee or something." I wrote the guy and, you know, sure enough, I got an email back and was like, well, he's going to be, you know, this was on Friday right? that, that uh, I'd, I'd emailed. And then initially uh, I got an email back and he's going to be at his store, which is, I believe, the Ghost of Gettysburg tour shop. Yeah, he's got a dedicated uh, shop to, that sells right. his books. That sells, you, yeah, you sells his books and T-shirts and stuff. And, stuff. and uh, he, he comes in a lot and does signings. Uh, he had just put out a, his most recent book was The Curse to Virginia, right. uh, which accompanies The Curse Pennsylvania book. So uh, he was in doing a signing for that and meeting people. And we were invited to come and hang out and meet him and, and maybe get a chance to interview him if there, was a, if there was a lull. And sure enough, we were lucky enough to get that lull. And he did come back and chat with us for a while. And honestly, it's probably one of my favorite highlights so far of of, of going out and, and, and interviewing people was talking to him because he was so knowledgeable and so very grounded and just a, a sweet, sincere person. Like just being around him, you can... Oh, you, it comes off in the interview. So absolutely. Let's just go ahead and play that yep, interview please. right now. All right, so I'm taking a moment out of our vacation to have a chat with Mr. Mark Nesbitt, author of the acclaimed Ghosts of Gettysburg series. We're up to seven books now. Is that right, Mark? Seven, yeah. Seven, and you just released your Cursed, Cursed Virginia? Cursed in Virginia, yeah. yeah? Could you t- would you mind telling us a little bit about Cursed in Virginia? Not at all. It's a, kind of a follow-up to uh, our Cursed in Pennsylvania book, the one I did with Patty Wilson. Curse in Virginia is a collection of individuals, places, uh, events that kind of make you think that the Old Dominion state is not as lucky as it could have been in some instances. Jamestown, a lot of people think Jamestown was a great, wonderful time where we started a new nation, but it was pretty horrible at some time for those people. I also included Robert E. Lee. People think, how could Robert E. Lee be cursed? Well, he had a rough life, believe it or not. So, and his, his his claim to fame, of course, was the leading the army of uh, 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 the army of Northern Virginia for the Confederacy. But he had some problems earlier in his life, and then as he got older, he, after the war, he had uh, some problems. You might that might lead you to believe that he had the Lee curse. I was thinking about this earlier. For you, what came first? Was it uh, was it writing or the ghosts? What what, what came first? Well, I always wanted to uh, be a writer from the time I was a, a, a kid and was interested in the Battle of Gettysburg from the time I was young. And the ghosts, I think, were all 
all of us are kind of interested in from the time we're we're young. We're always you know like to get scared a little bit when we're at a slumber party or or with friends out on a dark road somewhere. So that's that was always part of my interest. But when I came to Gettysburg to work as a park ranger, that's when it got real. I lived in a lot of the houses out on the battlefield, four of the houses, oh, wow. and weird things would happen to me. The thing I remember the most is the one that thing that happened in the cemetery lodge. I lived in the National Cemetery Lodge and taking my dishes back to the to the kitchen to wash them, and all of a sudden heard a baby cry, and I'm the only one in the house. And I was like, well, what's going on here? What, I, you know, no, it couldn't have been a baby crying. And I, you know, I tried to debunk it, but no, that was a baby crying. It was fate tapping you on the shoulder and telling you had work to do. I think so. <laughs> because when I got to, the, got to the coffee room the next day, I mentioned that story. And somebody said, you need to talk to such and such. You lived there before you. I tracked him down and I talked to him. And sure enough, it happened to her too. Wow. She'd heard baby cry, babies crying. It just so happens that the famous orphanage that was in Gettysburg was two doors down from the cemetery lodge where I was staying. And uh, of course the orphanage closed 10 years after the Civil War. So what I was hearing, was that a remnant child crime from the orphanage? You know, it, it, so that got me interested in the ghost, yeah. ghosts of Gettysburg. And I started collecting stories, asking old park rangers yeah. what happened to them, and yeah. that type of thing. Just out of curiosity, sidetracking ghosts just, sure. just a little bit. Had you had any other interesting stories uh, while while doing the time as a ranger, or, or, yeah. or, or got any stories from from people that kind of uh, lead into more of the off the path type stuff? Yeah, I, I had. Well, I had some experiences too while I was a park ranger out there. Yeah, yeah. Everything from a door that the guy that lived in the Weikert house. There was a door upstairs that opened to the attic, and it kept opening for him, and he even nailed it shut with a little pin nail and it came open and that that door would not close for me I couldn't keep it closed nice beautiful night we'd be on patrol we we'd stop I'd park the car at Devil's Den and get out walk around and just relax a little bit uh, you know not the, the fear I've got a radio and a gun but then every once in a while I'd be driving and say what's well, a nice night I think I'll I'll stop the car and get out, and there's the old the uh, willies yeah, yeah, the up the back of my neck. Of neck yeah. I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll stop next time. <laughs> yeah, we get those things for a reason. Yep. So seven books deep in the Ghosts of Gettysburg. Right. What What is it you think that keeps you here? What is it that you think that is you know? I mean, obviously there's there's a lot a lot for you to tell. Seven books. I'm sure you're not even. I'm sure you still have some to go. I have an eighth one. Yeah. I'm oh. working on right now. Yeah. Nice. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. It's like your life's work, your your magnum opus. Kind of, yeah. Well, Gettysburg has always been I mean, I read my first book on Gettysburg, I think I was about nine or ten years old, made my first trip here with my parents when I was eight. So it's been a pretty big part of my life ever since I can remember. And why I don't know. Maybe, you know, you can you can say, Well, in another life I was a soldier and I was killed here. If you you know, if you if if you want to think that way. It seems like you think that you've learned everything about the battle. And there's but another no. layer. Yeah. There's just another there. layer right underneath there. Yeah. And this is yet another layer. What I realized is, yeah, you know, the historians like to have, you know, have things pretty much nailed down. But sadly, you know, once the soldiers are dead and in the ground, that's it. That's, that's all awesome. they think yeah. about. And I, I like to think that, as you say, there's another layer, that there is, there's more to these heroes than just what they did here on earth you know yeah sure so sure have you ever considered perhaps there's something special about gettysburg prior to the tragedy here i've written about that yeah i've written about that as a matter of fact in kirsten pennsylvania i talk about how gettysburg may have been a um destined doomed as a matter of fact to be a battlefield we know for a fact that it was a huge native american battleground one guy named it the Battle of the Crows. I don't know why. We don't know a whole lot about it except that I know that when I was a park ranger here, I would go to private houses of people that, you know, to get together and talk to them and stuff. And people who grew up in Gettysburg, and they said, well, look, see, here's this mason jar full of bullets that I picked up on the battlefield. And look, right next to it is a jar of full of arrowheads. Now, you can fit a lot more arrowheads in a mason jar. 
Yeah. And I'm looking at all these arrowheads and all these bullets. I'm saying, wait a minute, what happened here? That you know, just a random person can pick up all these arrowheads. Yeah. Well, indeed, there was there probably was a battle out there with the maps. Prehistory. Are, prehistory, exactly. Yeah. And the maps are maddening because Gettysburg seems to be right in the middle, right down the middle of two huge nations, Indian nations. So I, they probably fighting over turf. That's wild. Yeah, just like just like the Union and Confederate. It gave me chills. It's just something that I've thought about a whole lot, and I haven't I haven't personally delved a whole lot into ghost investigation that sort of thing. But but it it does interest me, and and I, I do have sort of like my opinions from the stories that I've heard and, and what I've what I've collected from from folks just paying attention and being observant, I suppose. And and it's something I always kind of had in my head. That there's something about there's something about this place that predates all of the things that or in our written history here as, as Americans. Mm-hmm. Something about Gettysburg itself. Yeah, and well, you're, you'll read about it in the in the Kirsten, Pennsylvania. I do a, a pretty long chapter on that. So yeah, your gut feeling is correct. Would you mind uh, perhaps sharing with the listeners of the Strange Familiars podcast maybe uh, perhaps a tale? Maybe one of your favorites, something... Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know any ghost stories about Gettysburg. You don't know any ghost stories? <laughs> really? Well, let me think here. There are a couple that really... Maybe, maybe something off the beaten path, even. Okay. Okay. Probably the weirdest thing that ever happened to me. Are you ready for this? I'm definitely known okay. to hear this. It's a place called the Lady Farm, and it was a Confederate hospital on the extreme left flank of the Confederate line. And uh, it was purchased by a nonprofit organization, uh, the Gettysburg Battlefield Preservation Association. I was a board member for a long time there. And they restored it to its Civil War appearance, including the front room, which they determined was the operating room because it became a hospital at the time of the battle. And you can see bloodstains on the wooden floor from where guys sat down. In fact, uh, one bloodstain is in the shape of a thumb and four fingers where he pushed himself up to go to the operating table. Wow. So fast forward to the mid-1990s, and uh, I got a phone call from their caretaker. There was one guy out there. He said, Mark, if you want to see a paranormal experience happening right before your very eyes, come on out. It's the middle of the afternoon, but I'm like, sure, I'll go out, throw the gear in the car, go out. And I have my video camera going as soon as I walk in. Who knows what's going to happen? And he said, we had cleaned this place up because we had some reenactors in here touring. It was pristine. This morning when I opened this room up, here's what I found. And he opens the door to that operating room and I walk in and right there in the middle of the floor are these long rust colored streaks of liquid about five or six feet long, probably about three or four of them. There's like a clear serum that seems to be separating from them and there are drops of this red liquid with that that seem to be crystallizing i have video of all this and so i'm looking at this and i look up at the ceiling and it's still white i said did a pipe break downstairs this rusty water he says nope he says it just appeared i said do you have a, a tissue and he said, yeah, as a matter of fact. So I got a couple of samples of it. I put a yardstick down. I took photographs of it. And I was there for about 40 minutes. I said, my work here is done. He said, I got to get out. I got stuff to do out in the fields. You know, I don't know what I'm going to do about this. I said, well, I don't know either. So off he goes, off I go. Two hours later, I get another phone call. And uh, it's from him. And it's uh, two words. It's gone. I said, what? He said, it's gone. Gear back in the car. Out I go. I got the video camera going. And as soon as I walk in, we walk in. And he said, this is where it was, right? I said, yeah, I've got the video of it. And I'm pointing it down. He squats down. And he's rubbing his hand where this was. And he says, it was right here, right? I said, yeah. And he picks his hand up. He says, what the heck is this? It's a thin layer of dust on his fingers. So all of a sudden, my wife Carol is there. She says, what about the samples that you took? I said, they should be out in the car still. So she runs out, grabs the samples. We still had those. Those were intact. Now, the GBPA is pretty well connected. We sent the samples to a, one of the better forensic, forensics labs in Pennsylvania. Three weeks later, 
The results came back. The liquid was blood, and the species was human. Wow. Please don't ask me to explain it, James. I no. have no explanation. Oh, no. Because there is there are blood stains on that floor that were there for 140-some years sure. from the battle. That's why I mean, it also goes to show that you can't choose when these things happen. These things happen as they need to happen. Yeah. You, know? you can't just walk into a place and be like, okay, I'm here. Yeah. yeah. Happen, you know. It's kind of up to them, too. Well, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. So. Well, that's fantastic. Something else I wanted to ask you about, and it's it's interesting because I talk with this one a lot about about uh, my thoughts and sort of my little personal theories and why I have them. And she was reading something earlier. She being Andrea was reading something earlier that it indicated that you are also of the opinion that things seem to sort of heat up closer to the anniversary of of the events as opposed mm-hmm. to just all year round. It's just it's just bumps all year. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's, I really can't say for sure because the battle was fought on July 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the 4th of July. And so when tourism started, it just so happened that the 4th of July came on the same weekend that the anniversary was. So we get a lot of, we would have gotten a lot of people. Yeah. Anyhow. And that's uh, a, when you have that's a, a lot of people coming into a place where a lot of, People had flowed into like on an anniversary of a tragic event. You That's have, a lot of energy. You have two things going. Number one, a lot of energy from the living being pumped into this area, and an interest of, of these people. The other thing you have is a lot more witnesses, potential witnesses. You know, so I, I, I may get more reports on the Fourth of July weekend of ghost stories. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're lying. Well, sure. A lot of activity. Sure, a lot of I'm sure a lot of a lot of deaths and a lot of tragic events happen leading up to those days and also after the the, the, the result of guys died. Yeah, days. Sure. yeah, sure. You know, not just from wounds, but from you know dysentery and oh, you know, yeah, all sure. kinds of stuff. Yeah, wow, that's incredible. Well, Mark, I can't thank you enough. It's so cool and honor to sit here and, and uh, get a few minutes of your time and and get a get a story from. Uh, someone as, as well uh, respected and thank you so much on behalf of the listeners of, of the Strange Familiars podcast we really appreciate your time and, and uh, hopefully we can meet up with you again sometime maybe we can come out and, and visit you and maybe uh, go out and, and, and check out a few things together sometime that sounds good James awesome thank you so much my pleasure One of the things that I really like that you guys touched on was the idea that the Battle of Gettysburg might not be it the cause of yeah, all this stuff. I, I, I think that that's one of those things that most people attribute the the hauntings of Gettysburg. It's so closely tied to the Civil War. And I'm not saying that there's no connection, but in my mind... I've always wondered if there's not just something about Gettysburg in general outside of the war that makes it almost sort of like a hot spot. Well, I've said for this that kind of in the past about Hex Hollow. Everyone locally yeah. thinks Hex Hollow is haunted because of the murder that happened there. Because <laughs> right. was killed there. I said before I even found the, the, the hauntings that happened there before, maybe the murder is just a symptom of the other stuff that happened right. there. And sure enough, when I was doing my first book, Beyond the Seventh Gate, I found these stories, these old ghost stories about yeah. flaming ghosts that, that, that people predate there. predate the murder, yeah, the tragedy uh, that happened there. A long time, right? Right. So it seems like this murder is is just a symptom of the other Absolutely. thing, and it's in a way, it almost seems like the battle is a symptom, or or the hauntings are are I, drawn I, to this area. Yeah. I, I can't disagree with that. Uh, one of the really interesting aha moments that I had is, you know, in that interview, I did, I did get to ask what his thoughts were on perhaps Gettysburg not being so much, the, you know, the Civil War being the, the reason for the occurrences that people experience there, but maybe it's something about Gettysburg itself. Right. I wish that I could describe the way his eyes lit up because he was very, very excited about that. He definitely thinks a little bit more outside of the box uh, about this sort of thing. And he agreed. I've been saying for a while that, yes, ghosts seem to be the spirits of the departed, but maybe it's just something like that's, that's using the spirits of the departed oh, sure. as a mask or as a 
as a way to get through to us sure. in some way. Or, like, maybe it's a replay of things. Or yeah, something. well, I mean, if you wander around Gettysburg, like any other town that's been around for as long as Gettysburg has been, you know, you start wandering around, you start realizing that the way that things were built back then, yeah, that stuff has survived for so long. A house that is built now would never survive the years that these homes and buildings yeah, no were, way. No way, no were designed to, to endure. And as you walk around, you notice that anybody out there who's, who is interested or, or is a subscriber to, you know, the whole idea of stones and energies and, 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 and vibrations and things like that, um, uh, isn't a stranger to quartz being a very powerful conductor. It's in all of our technology. It's in our phones. It's in radios. It's in computers. Gettysburg is like one big conductor, <laughs> like the, yeah. the, 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 the foundations of these buildings are, are like this, you know, beautiful stone. And like, I can't help but feel like the whole way, the way that the place is set up is just like, it's like a circuit board right. <laughs> for the bazaar. You know, I think that a lot of what happens there is probably doing parts of what's under the ground, <laughs> what's underneath Gettysburg, you know, probably a lot of quartz because most of these buildings were built with the things that they pulled right out of the ground. There's a huge line of quartz that runs Absolutely. right through York County and yeah. over through Adams you know, County. We're just walking so. around and I see this and like, it was something that I thought about when I was talking with Mark and I brought, I did bring that up and you know, he, he didn't disagree with the idea of there being like this <laughs> concentration, you know, like it's just this something right. about Gettysburg. You know? Well, there, there are what may or may not be spirits of the dead or sure. or something. There's some, some kind of energy there that's related to that. Obviously it's, it's u- either using the form of the, these uh, sure. soldiers and, and, and other people from the time, or it is some yeah. Some form of, maybe of you know spirit. i mean if you're going to i mean if you're cool with the idea of ghosts being the spirits of the dead then maybe you'd be open-minded enough to consider other things that could be going on um such as and this is something that i think a lot about with regards to hauntings maybe there are just some places that are set up perfectly for us to be able to be in that spot and experience things not necessarily in the linear fashion that human beings are set up to experience right. things and perhaps what we're experiencing on our side is being experienced also on that side. And we are the ghosts to that to that parallel. Well, it's not limited to ghosts. Yeah. 1921, the Gettysburg Gorilla, they called it. Oh, absolutely. Walked right into town on York Street, which is, it's Route 30 now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a major road. It's arguably the major street in Gettysburg. This gorilla walks down This the is street. recorded in the newspaper it's, it's, as a gorilla. Yeah. <laughs> Walking uh, on two legs down yeah, the street. And when, uh, let me stop and say gorilla is what they called Bigfoot at this time. They didn't, this is there the was 20s. no Bigfoot. Yeah, yeah. The Bigfoot wasn't a common term. They saw something big, hairy, and upright around this time. They, they thought gorilla. There was no escape gorillas from zoos or anything. This is during a whole flap of gorilla sightings all around Gettysburg. Well, eventually, this thing walks into town, walks into somebody's backyard. A woman sees it. She gets afraid. She gets her neighbor. He comes out with a gun, shoots the thing. He drops it. He goes over to look at it. It jumps up, jumps straight up, and chases him back in the house. (laughs) Proceeds to walk off towards Bigwerville. And it's not even the only gorilla sighting during this year. No. Oh, no. There's a ton of them during this time. One of which uh, I had read was, um, was a recorded thing was um, a gorilla that was sighted on the battlefield sunning itself on a rock. Right. And people were like, what is that? And they're like, it's a gorilla, you know? This is reported in the paper as a a gorilla sunning itself on a rock on the battlefield. And when it becomes aware that people are watching it (laughs) and that it's being seen, it gets up from the rock and walks into the tree line looking over its shoulder to me to see if it's being followed, you know? (laughs) Again, 1920. I think it's 21, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. One of these creatures walks into this town. Yeah. I've got UFO reports from, yeah. the, I think, the 50s. These people saw these little silver discs, tiny silver discs, but they were flying right over their head. And I believe that was on one of the anniversaries of the battle. It was it was July 4th weekend. Sure. So they, they would put it right around one of the anniversaries of the battle. They yeah. see this weird little formation of, of these little silver discs flying yeah. overhead. So you got UFOs, you got ghosts, you got Bigfoot creatures. It's a weird place. I it mean, is. It is a real. It is a weird place, and I, I honestly do believe that it's something about. It's something about that place. It's something about where it is, 
what it's on top of, perhaps? Like, what's in the ground? You know what I mean? What, what is it that sort of makes it a magnet for the strange? Right. <laughs> you know? But it's wild to me talking to the ghost people. I mentioned when I was at the Gettysburg Paranormal Yeah, there's Conference. some really strong opinions ab- yeah. about, you know, I people aren't very open-minded about, right. about, you know, if it doesn't fit within a certain parameter. They, they are locked into the spirits of the dead idea. Sure. They, they are completely locked into that. They didn't even want to. Like, and for the record, I'm not totally, I'm not totally off to that. But I, no, no, I, I I'm feel, not saying. I feel you have to be. I mean, if you if you're if you have sincere interest in this stuff, you have to be open minded and be able to look at things from a different perspective, right? Or else it's just boring. Like, well, then you figured it out. Yeah, you know well, what I that's mean. That's the thing. We we don't know. It could you know, be, but we so, don't know. So you know, until we solve it, exactly. Which I don't think is ever going to happen. Yeah. But until we do, we have to be open, I think. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts. Music, art, books, podcasts, and more. Darkhollerarts.com. Intro and background music by Stonebreath. Go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com for more. and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.